The following Dharma talk was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground. Because of the corpse meditation, <laughs> which we have yet to do. And then, uh, so I'll go through that and then we'll break into small groups. And uh, just a chance to connect in a small group with, you know, just your response, what you've been learning from these different practices. And remember to think of not just this set of teachings having to do with the body, but all the teachings of the Buddha or anybody you've received teachings from, whether we like it or not, we have to be responsible for, imperfectly of course, assessing whether the teachings are good medicine for us at this time with the understanding that we have. And sometimes the answer is yes, it's good medicine, and sometimes the answer is no. Either it's no because I don't really understand what I'm doing, or I'm approaching it with the wrong attitude, or the answer is no because it's actually not the right medicine, even if we do understand the practice correctly. Because the the practice is more than anything about balance, coming into balance. And so that means the instructions, the different practices have to be all over the place because sometimes we're like this, so to get into balance means going this way. And sometimes we're over here, coming into balance, the instruction's going to be just the opposite. right? So we have to develop uh, an independence or a self-reliance where we have a mind, we have a heart that's willing to listen and willing to explore, and willing to basically see cause and effect. Like, well, what's the effect of directing my mind this way or reflecting this way? What's the effect? Do I trust that effect as being positive or wholesome? Or am I uncertain? Maybe I'll put it aside. Maybe I'll put that practice aside for a while. Or maybe maybe I'm really going to dig in. I intuit that it's, it's good medicine for me now. And this is especially important with some of these last three practices we've done that have a really useful but generally specific kind of, it's a specific kind of medicine to use. Like I mentioned last week, the corpse meditation, which we'll do in just a few minutes, it's really helpful. It's like one way that could be quite helpful if we're, if we remain mostly through the day unaware of the impermanence of this body. If we, in an unconscious way, are counting on the body being there. Not that if anybody asked us that we'd say, oh yeah, my body's going to last forever. We'd all pass that quiz, if that were the question. But that doesn't mean that we're actually connected with that reality, that this body is something that comes and goes. One of the ways the reflection goes, this is from Larry Rosenberg's book, Living in the Light of Death. It's a nice book if you haven't seen it. And we could just, he just has nine reflections. So this is before we do the corpse contemplation, the decomposition reflection. But we can just reflect on these nine things. And it's another opportunity to creatively use thought, right? So feel free to think. <laughs> don't, 
make thinking bad. So the first phrase is, everybody has to die. So just repeat that phrase and think about that, that everybody, every being, every living being has to die. This is just the way it is. Every being has to die. Let's just think about that for a few seconds. The person next to you, your boss, your loved one, every being has to die. Nobody's exempt. Our lifespan is decreasing continuously. We can just think about that. Like each time we breathe in, it could be our last breath, probably not a high probability, but guaranteed we're one breath closer to our last breath with each breath we take. Our lifespan is decreasing continuously. Life is a movement toward death. We're just thinking about that, whatever image or thought comes to mind or you bring to mind. Our lifespan is decreasing continuously. Our life span is uncertain. How long we are going to live, how long this body is going to continue, that I do not know. Might be a long time, might be a short time. My life span is uncertain. How long this body will continue is uncertain. I don't know. And of course, that's true for every body. Lifespan is uncertain. And we can reflect that there are many, many causes of death. Just let some come to mind, like death due to accident, death due to particular illnesses, old age. There are many, many causes for death. And we contemplate that the body in its very nature is fragile. There are a lot of important biological mechanisms that need very particular conditions to operate well. This body is fragile, is vulnerable 
distress, to various injuries and insults. This body is a fragile process. The skin is thin. The bones can break. The chemical processes are quite refined, easily disturbed. This is a fragile body. And we remember that all of our possessions all of our joyful moments can't really help, can't, don't really affect the vulnerability of this body and the inevitability of death. No matter how many beautiful moments, no matter how many beautiful objects we possess, doesn't really change the fact that the life of this body is fragile and will end and that this end is uncertain, when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen. And even our loved ones cannot help, can't change these truths or these facts. They can care, they can love, But the body remains fragile. Death is certain. The time is uncertain. And one's own body cannot help. The truth of death and the falling apart of the body is in the very nature of the body. And as we continue with the corpse contemplation now, at some point, especially if your samadhi, your concentration is good, you might notice a particular feeling arising, a strong feeling that seems to make a deep impact, imprint in the heart. And sometimes the feeling might be something like, or related to this understanding, this intuition, I know this. This is something I know in my bones. So when that happens, when there is that strong imprint, strong feeling, then for a while, let that be the object of concentration. Just concentrate, let the mind get absorbed with that feeling that's arisen. And we're not trying to be gross or morbid. We're just trying to remember the very nature of the physical body. This biological entity that is so much associated with this life. So 
I'll just read the words from the Satipatthana Sutta, the Buddha's words on the corpse or the cemetery meditation. Please reflect as though we were to see a corpse thrown aside in a cemetery, one, two, or three days dead, bloated, livid, and oozing matter. This body, too, is of the same nature. It will be like that. It is not exempt from that fate. So take a few seconds. Use your imagination. We have all probably bumped into creatures that were dead, different stages of decay. So just imagining once again this body having died, beginning this natural process of falling apart. One day, two days, three days, beginning to bloat, beginning to ooze some fluids. And then begin to bring to mind the body being devoured by creatures, by crows and hawks, vultures and dogs, and various kinds of worms. And as you bring all that to mind, take your time, remember that this body too is of the same nature. It will be like that. It's not exempt from this fate. Just use your imagination, seeing the body being eaten by animals that need food. Maybe the animals, the different creatures are competing. Some animals seem to not need to compete with each other. all the very little creatures that are part of eating what can be eaten in the body, not just the big ones, the birds and the dogs. All the flies, worms, And then imagining a skeleton with flesh and blood held together with sinews. As we see the skeleton, the bloody skeleton, we remember this body too is of the same nature. It will be like that. It's not exempt from this fate. There are the teeth. Most of the flesh is gone. But there's still blood, still the sinews holding the bones together. And 
Imagining the skeleton without any flesh or blood held together with sinews. And the eventual falling apart of the sinews and the bones lying there now disconnected. This body too is of the same nature. It will be like that, not exempt from this fate. And over time, the bones become more bleached, more weathered, scattered. Maybe some of them even missing carried away, blown away. And after many years, bones falling apart, turning into dust, turning back to soil, just fragments here and there. This body, too, is of the same nature. It will be like that. It's not exempt from this fate. So feel free in the next few minutes to revisit that whole process in your own mind with your imagination. And in particular, notice any feeling that arises. Is it a feeling of fear or irritation, feeling of coolness and dispassion? This body too is of the same nature It will be like that. It is not exempt from this fate. Of course, you can do this in your own way. It occurred to me today as I was preparing that um, the morning my dad died a couple years ago, I had the wherewithal to take a picture of him. We kept the body for, I don't know, maybe eight, nine hours after he died around. And so there are my 
iPhone <laughs> is this picture. And I noticed because it, you know, it's a while back, a couple years back, and as I was going through the photos waiting till I found it, I noticed like uh, and that irritation like just uh, yeah, like don't go there sort of thing. And it's just interesting to like um, be really honest and awake to what comes up. And it's like, it's just a photograph, right? And are we willing to let come up what comes up? I don't know if anybody, I sent out this afternoon a link from somebody I know, Phil, I'm forgetting Phil's last name, but anyway, he's from uh, part of Mid-America Dharma uh, Insight Meditation Group down in Kansas. And uh, he's got a nice website. And... uh, so there they have uh, some pictures from um, a body, an exposed body just falling apart over a period of time. They're not great. They're not high-quality photos, but it gives you a sense of what that's like. And it's just interesting because we, you know, we see it actually more than we'd like, like meat that's gone bad in the fridge or... You know, we have some little animals, big animals sometimes. And it's always interesting to watch the mind, sort of initial reaction, and to let the attention, wisdom, go right to the feeling, if you can, if you can remember that. And then just hang out with the feeling, just trust. Well, this is a feeling that's here in the mind. And there's no danger in being sensitive to feeling, right? So we can really learn to trust that feeling. And you might notice, as it's taught in the tradition, that a very beautiful feeling of peace, coolness, arises in the mind when we do this. And it's not, it's because, as uh, Venerable Analeo says in an, an article that I read today, you know, this lurking shadow, this is fear of death, right? And mostly we're working overtime, but unaware of avoiding uh, the idea of death, right? So we're basically, the mind is ruled by the fear of death, and it's this lurking shadow. But when we do a contemplation like this, there's a possibility of, being free from the fear of death. And that's what's so liberating and enlightening. We literally, viscerally feel lighter when we do these kind of contemplations. But initially there can be some real dissonance, some real uh, pushback or resistance. So we have to be, we have to sort of approach it at the right time, right, when it's the right medicine in the right way, like that works or makes sense for this mind, this personality, to get that effect. And sometimes it just happens organically in our lives, like where we, you know, are hiking in a beautiful place and round the corner in the trail, and there's the body, the remains of a deer that was attacked by, you know, wolves the night before or something. I've seen that. I'm sure many of you have seen, you know, a partially eaten body of a relatively big animal. At our property, 
um, out in Western Wisconsin, our retreat property, some of you might have seen in the pine plantation, the place where they planted pines maybe 25 years ago, I think they must have slaughtered a lot of cattle out there because there are a lot of big bones just sort of protruding out of the ground. Some are up, some are slightly buried. Um, and it, maybe the uh, Amish family that first owned the property or built the buildings on the property just slaughtered some of their cattle out there. I'm not sure, but something was killed, big like a cow. And it's just interesting to see these. I mean, it's so, it makes sense. There's so many living beings. What's actually strange is given how many living beings there are, how few we see. I told Wynne today that someday, she's a choreographer, someday it would be nice to have a piece with, you know, only dancers who are older than 85 and they have to be naked. Wouldn't that be an interesting thing to do? On stage, well lit, you know, a bunch of old bodies moving around. It would, what's our initial reaction when we think about that? What? (laughs) Good. We'll call you in about 20 years, 30 years or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, we'll have small groups in just a few minutes, and I'll share some thoughts about, of course, anything might be relevant in your small group conversations, but um, in particular, you know, talking about feelings, repulsion, coolness, lightness, disgust, boredom, you know, what, given what we've been doing these last few days, a few weeks rather, with the... 32 body part meditation, more recently with the four element meditation, and now with, you know, reflecting on impermanence of the body and and how naturally, appropriately, the body falls apart. And uh, it's not bad, it's just what nature does. It comes together and it falls apart. And, uh, yeah, so what, what sort of, feelings come up, and then what happens when you've attempted to be with those feelings and relax, soften with them, then what happens from that experience? And then another related thing then is, as you're you're doing any of these practices we've been doing these last seven weeks, how has a door opened to anicca, to the ephemeral insubstantial nature of this body-mind thing here, or the doorway into dukkha, that the more direct, immediate perception is that this is unsatisfactory. It's not worthy of being grasped. Or this is impersonal. So these are considered the three gateways to awakening where we go from being mindful of the present moment to the steadiness of mindfulness of the present moment, whatever it is, breath, body, decomposition of the body. But that steadiness of mindfulness then brings the mind to the object of change, or anicca, the ephemeral, insubstantial, groundless nature of this. So that... 
So whatever this is, like hearing sound, for example, or feeling the breath in the body, but what the mind is noticing about this is the groundless, insubstantial, changing nature. No matter what the object is, it's noting, noticing that about the object or the unsatisfactoriness of whatever it is that's being known or the impersonal nature of whatever's being known. So that's an interesting thing to bring up in the small groups, that as you've been reflecting on the body, has your practice taken you into any of those doorways where what now, in a sense, is predominant or obvious to the knowing mind is that it's changing, that it's ephemeral, that it's insubstantial, that it's unsatisfactory, not worthy of grasping, that it's impersonal, doesn't feel personal, whatever the mind is seeing about the body. So that could be something, or the opposite, like that it feels very personal, or the kind of a stronger attraction to the body, or a, a deeper, more pronounced sense of solidity to the body, right? So it could be the opposite, your experience. But you can talk about those three gateways because our teacher, the Buddha, says that when you have continuity of mindfulness, regardless of the object, if you're really wholeheartedly interested in the way things are, and as the attention is more steady and continuous, then you're going to go through one of those doorways. You're going to see the insubstantial nature, you're going to see the unsatisfactory nature, or you're going to see the impersonal nature. And what particular doorway you go through is... To some degree, partly it's like how the mind's been aimed, but partly it's just your personality. Some people tend to go through the dukkha door, some people through the anicca door, a change, and some people through the anatta door, the impersonal nature. Any door will do. They're really the same door. It's just like different flavors of the way it is. So when we go from like the specific characteristics like feeling hardness, feeling softness, feeling the cohesiveness, feeling the flowingness of the body, right? That's what we call the specific characteristic characteristic of knowing the body in and of itself, not the concept of the body, but the other underlying elements, qualities of sensation. And when we really get steady and continuous with the specific qualities of body, what we call body, then it just leads to what we call the general or universal characteristics of change and the unsatisfactoriness, which is not the same as saying it's bad. It's just saying that whatever the mind sees clearly, it sees that it isn't worthy of grasping. That's all that dukkha means in this deeper sense, that when we really show up, really understand grasping doesn't make sense because it's dukkha. It's not worthy of grasping. That doesn't mean it's bad because if it was bad, it would be worthy of grasping what's not that, right? So not worthy of grasping means aversion and greed don't make sense with this experience. They do not apply. Both greed and aversion do not apply. So the mind it's cool, right? And it sees it's impersonal, too. So 
this would be something you might want to bring up in your small group. And of course, anything else, resistance that you've had to these any of these practices and what your understanding of that resistance is could be useful to share too. Or joy, maybe, that's arisen. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.